it's been one of the most difficult things for me to achieve, but I'm so glad that I'm doing it. That mode that you're in where you're most inspired, most creative, most able to accomplish tasks. To the podcast, and I want to commit to giving value to, to you as listeners, wherever you may be in your creative in your creative journey. Wow, good to be back. Um, I was actually quite nervous about coming back for some reason. I don't know why, having done 17, 18 episodes already. But it's been a while, 10 months. Um, some things have changed, some things haven't. But if I'm honest, I've got into a bit of a rut and needed a active decision to, to come and change uh, my routine from home. Um, working from home can be really difficult. If you're if you're like me, you're often working on your own, having to find your own energy and find your own energy source. Um, it can be very very difficult. So this is basically the the reason for this chapter. So not only are we back doing the podcast, but um, I want to update you on what um, what's been going on with the company with Riptide. If I'm honest, I've struggled to come to terms with not making live work. And I know that sounds weird and it's very much a delayed reaction from COVID and lockdowns and stuff. And we had one of our, it would have been our biggest show to date. It was a six-figure budget, amazing cast. We'd already cast it. We were about to go into rehearsals. And when everything happened, I think for me personally, we went into a problem-solving mode we were like okay how do we fix this and I'm very proud of our reaction we paid all of our freelancers for their work we were able to secure that and whilst other people we were working with funders who will remain nameless didn't pay us um, we managed to find the money to support them so having gone through that and kind of not really come to terms with the fact that we lost the work, but kind of just changed focus and was just go, go, go on to another thing. Mainly because we were like, what the fuck are we doing now? So I think I've, I've really come... Uh, it, I think it's hit me now that... Not only that we've lost that live work that we were going to make, but also the risk of making live work is so high at the minute. And, you know, you could have made an interesting... Um, smaller project on say fifteen thousand pounds, but now that that really isn't going to cut it, um, just because of all the other things you've got to think about cancellations, actors dropping out, etc. So I think that's where I'm at personally at the moment. That kind of weird delayed reaction. We've gone into a kind of fundraising mode, as I said, and we've gone. Um, well, we've started the ball rolling in terms of NPO applications. Uh, so that's National Portfolio Organisations, for those who don't know. that's um, These are the biggest companies in the country who get funded for four years. And they can't, they can't go for funding throughout the year in the same way, but they're kind of these flagship organisations. And the Arts Council pay them for, say, yeah, four years, X amount for four years to deliver um, whatever um, outcome that they, they, they say they're going to do. I'm not sure if it's, if it's the right decision for Riptide or not. 
um that will that will come out in the wash i think and it's, it will definitely be a shift personally and organizationally i think you you have to have a lot of uh a lot more rigor than we have at the moment so you have to have things like a board uh governance documents we have we kind of have all those but you have to kind of solidify them in a kind of legal way so we will see i'll keep you updated and we're also working on a commission, um, which kind of came out of the blue, kind of landed um, on our laps, which was kind of nice. It's at Oxford Playhouse. We're bringing back the digital version of The Lucky Ones. I love that project. It's a week-long digital experience that comes to you. You can play it on your own or in a team. Um, and, you know, some of the moments in that um, project I'm really proud of. You can still buy tickets. If you listen to this in February 2022, I hope to see you on that adventure that is the lucky ones. And the other reason for starting this podcast is I want to commit to to the podcast and I want to commit to giving value to to you as listeners wherever you may be in your creative in your creative journey. And I think I am doing it for you, <laughs> but I'm also doing it for me and I think something that will come on to talk about today is about that kind of self-commitment to something i'm committing to you right now to release one episode of the director's diary every week from now we'll do a season so we'll do x amount of episodes and chapters and we've got some awesome guests lined up i'm really really excited to hear from them and also for you to get to kind of peek into their diaries and and see what they're thinking what they're working on at the moment Honestly, we're talking about kind of the top individuals in our industry. So stay tuned for that. So part of the reason why I think I got into such a rut is that I made a decision to work from home. I haven't been into the office in months. And I think many freelancers are in this predicament. What I've done recently is I've gone on to a leadership course by Tony Robbins, which was transformational. And I've been able to reflect on what I'm doing personally, my work habits, my patterns, and where my energy is going. So I'm going to share that learning with you. This is all about working from home and getting the best out of that scenario, because it's not ideal. But with these tips and tricks, potentially you can make it better. So what have I learned um, about working from home? I think the first thing that I would say is about time of day and finding where you flow best. So find your flow is the first thing I've written in my diary. Don't force yourself to get up at a time that doesn't suit you just for the sake of it. I think we've been sold. I think we've been missold. The idea of the hustle, the entrepreneur waking up at 4am, going for a 20k run and then doing yoga and this amazing workout all before breakfast and you're sluggishly getting out of bed. You know, I'd, if you're a night owl, be a night owl. And this kind of comes into the second kind of point that I've got is I've been doing a lot of research into habits and habit training. And depending on what research you look at, it's anywhere from 45 to 55% of all things that we do, that you do, are habits. They're patterns. 
And the great thing about that is that all patterns can be changed and you can rewire the patterns that you have to make new, healthier habits that will transform the way that you work from home. What I would say about this is all change is a choice. I've made the decision and you need to make a decision to change something. It needs to be active. I've made an active choice to come back to this podcast, to commit to doing one a week, to to serve you as listeners. So my provocation to you is what new action are you going to commit to? What decision are you going to make? What isn't working? And just choose one. Just choose one thing. If you make it simple, it will be easier to achieve. So just think now, what is the one thing about working from home that you want to change? Maybe you want to add in something to your routine. Maybe you want to stop doing something that is maybe harming your productivity. One of the first things that I attempted to change, and I'm I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but it's definitely working, is my morning. The way that I get up and the things that I do, and I do things in a certain order now and it really is helping. It's, it's basically setting me up for the day where I feel like I've accomplished something in the morning and it puts me in a, in a mood that I'm ready to work. Many moons ago, I read a, a book called The Miracle Morning. It's by Hal Elrod. He's an American writer. I promise you it's not as wanky as it sounds, but I'll go through the kind of four key areas in which um, it, Hal says he's basically made his uh, Miracle Morning and it's kind of changed his life. Changes life is maybe a bit too strong, but the four the four key areas do hold some relevance, I think. The first one is water. The studies show that drinking a glass of water, the first thing before you do anything else, um, is kind of revolutionary to your body. Rehydrates, you know, you makes sense. You imagine you've gone six to eight hours, if you're lucky, without water, without anything. So allow your, your body to kind of recover and rehydrate sets you up for an amazing morning the second thing is silence and I guess for me I'm going to kind of make my take on this but for me that's meditation yoga uh, journaling I've never really got into kind of self journaling but for, for some of you that might work but the silence is key that kind of quiet time alone with your thoughts the third thing is affirmations and I've got a real problem with the kind of looking in the mirror and saying, I will be happy, I will be happy, because I just don't think you can trick your body and brain to believe that you are happy. For me, what affirmations means is writing goals and setting intentions. So affirming to yourself that that this is where I want to go, this is the path that I've chosen. And the fourth thing kind of links to that is visualisation. So really clearly in your mind, seeing where you want to go, what you want to achieve, who with, and how. So how have I taken the Miracle Morning book and kind of made it into my own version of that? Number one, I do not touch my phone for the first 30 minutes. It's been one of the most difficult things for me to achieve, but I'm so glad that I'm doing it. In that time, I take time to read, to work out, to meditate, to learn, to have breakfast and shower. 
it's it's alone time before the buzzes of notifications before the world can get into my head and has my attention i'm just with myself for me i've um actually bought a 30 minute sand timer and as well as it being a beautiful object it stops me going on my phone to set the timer to stop going on my phone <laughs> so it's i would really advise anyone getting you can get get them very easily and that really helps me kind of a tangent onto that my phone always charges outside of my bedroom moving my phone away from my bed has dramatically improved my sleep not only not only is it because of the kind of waves and the wavelengths or whatever you want to kind of imagine not only is it that but it's it stops me doom scrolling late at night I'm not looking at those kind of harmful blue light rays late at night. And also it's not the first thing I go to. I found that I was kind of waking up and my my hand was already reaching to where I thought my phone was before I even had a chance to open my eyes. You've just got to think how harmful that is in the long term if you're doing that every single day. Back to working from home. So um, one of the big kind of transitions in this time that I've been away is the moment that I defined my workspace. So for me, for a long time, I was working in the lounge, on the dining table, on the sofa sometimes, potentially in the bedroom, you know, if it was really cold outside. And for me, that all shifted when we painted the office. Um, I bought a desk. I bought a second screen. And it was like, okay, here's your clear, clearly defined, clean, um, tidy work work area and for me i would add on to this create a space that enables you to work to the best of your ability so i'm not kind of advising to do this but one of my friends at university used to go to the library with a mirror a small mirror and he would face the mirror towards himself and i found this absolutely bizarre why why he would do that maybe maybe it's really vain but he told me that um he'd done some kind of He'd done some research into how people work best and people work best when they're being watched. It makes sense. Cast your mind back to university if you went and going to a library to do an essay or whatever. You don't want to go to the library and be the person playing games on your laptop. You don't want to be that person. And there's almost a sense of guilt when you go onto a social media website or kind of, yeah, you might be taking a break, but you might think, what, what are they thinking about me? You know, oh, I need to get back to my essay. So what the mirror does is it acts as that person watching you. You're watching yourself. You're, you're being accountable to yourself. I'm not advising buying a mirror, but it is an interesting kind of thought experiment. So ha- how can you make your space at home more conducive to work with less distractions? The next thing I've put is about to-do lists. And my friends are sick to death of me saying this but I say it so much because it's absolutely transformed how I work I no longer write to-do lists and that might sound really radical how do you get anything done I don't write to-do lists I schedule to-do lists so I put all of my things that I need to do in a calendar and I set a time for them it goes back to accountability but it also means that I'm no longer having that to-do list where that thing right at the bottom of the to-do list goes onto the next to-do list and goes onto the next list and never really gets done. 
I would argue that it never gets done because you never schedule the time to do it. This kind of gets around it. Everything on, on the list gets a time at the time it was written. All you need to do is just stick to the routine, stick to the calendar, and everything on your to-do list will get done. The next thing that I know has definitely contributed to my ability to navigate different projects at the same time is buying a whiteboard. Super, super easy, but I can get all of my projects that I'm working on in one place. I can see what state they're all in. And what it also does is that I'm constantly looking at them. And this actually does the reverse of kind of giving me stress or anxiety about them. I know exactly where I am in all of my projects. Um, and it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a motivator actually because I can see the next step. A lot of the time, if you if you're juggling these in your head, you are seeing the biggest picture possible. You know, like, oh I need to complete this whole project. On my on my whiteboard I've got the project title, but under that I've got the, the small steps that I need to complete to get me closer to completion. The next thing um, that has improved my working from home and also I think this is probably the reason why I was so burnt out at the end of last year is um, I want you to think about how you schedule your meetings, your Zoom meetings, your, your phone calls. For most of us, if you're working from home, you've got a blank calendar in front of you, or maybe you don't because you're doing the kind of scheduling the to-do list, but if you've got a blank space, you the natural reaction is to schedule the meeting for that space. Let's say you've got a meeting three till four. You've got nothing after four. If someone says, oh, okay, can you do this afternoon? When in your mind would you schedule that meeting for? A lot of you, and me included for a long time, would schedule the meeting at four o'clock. Now, in the real world, pre-COVID, would you ever do this? I don't think you would. And I think the reason for that is because you would have had to physically move and travel to that meeting because the chance of it being in the same space is very, very low. What this travel period does is it gives you time to decompress. It gives you time to relax. It gives you time to have a bit of alone time before you start again in that next meeting. Working from home, scheduling back to back to back to back meetings, A, is so tiring. B, I don't think it's the most productive time um, because you don't get that learning moment afterwards and to kind of assess what's happened. And also what can happen is if a meeting overruns into the next one, once you go into that next one, you feel rushed, you don't feel prepared, you don't have that, that time to kind of collect yourself. So what's the solution? I think the solution is giving yourself at least 15 minutes in between um, scheduling meetings. It's a really easy thing to do and it will dramatically decrease the, the chance of burnout, I think. The last thing I'll mention is um, something that's really, really helped me. Um, it's really simple and it came from a course that I did led by Tony Robbins and Tony Robbins talks a lot about energy and about being in that kind of peak state and um, by peak state he means that the that mode that you're in where you're most inspired most creative most um, able to accomplish tasks 
He says that comes from energy. So my question to you guys is where does your energy come from? When or where or listening to what music do you get that kind of real fire in your heart? Where you're truly fired up. And once you've got that, how can you promote more of that? And when can you promote more of that? What would it feel, say if it's a piece of music that really gets you fired up. We don't do this because we're very British and we're, we, uh, we just um, keep the status quo at all costs, I think. What would it be like if you listened to that piece of music before doing that funding application? What state of mind would you be in to go and write that funding application? How would it change the work? Same thing for a really important meeting. You know, you might, um, you might G yourself up mentally, but what happens if you put on that music and physically move around and you physically change your biochemistry and your, and your physicality and then you go into that meeting? How, how would that change the outcome? It's a really weird thing to do. And also it's quite a difficult thing for um, those who are introverted. I think um, I would class myself as a kind of half introvert, half extrovert. I have qualities of both. And sometimes I find it really difficult to be that kind of energetic, loud person. And this isn't being necessarily loud, but it is tuning into that fire, that energy that allows you to be most creative and, and most productive. So hopefully that's given you a couple of um, tips to, to improve your own working from home. The big thing for me is about patterns and about analyzing what patterns you're you're running at the moment and once you once you're able to do that you're able to change it the big tip of all of this is to choose one thing at a time if you try and change everything the chance of success is about 10 percent. if you change one thing i forget how long it takes to to build a habit i think it's 21 days but if you do one thing and only concentrate on that one thing the chance of success for that thing is over 80 percent so my provocation to you is which what are you going to change? It's exciting. It's an exciting way of redefining who you're going to be. What type of artist are you going to be working from home? So thank you so much for listening. As I said at the beginning, I'm committing to one episode every week from now. We've got some awesome guests lined up. Um, the next guest on this podcast next week will be Amy Letman, who is the creative director of Transform. She's one of the most influential people uh, to me personally um, she was my first producer she's also been awarded one of the top 25 theatre makers this year by the stage she's doing amazing things with Transform which is going from strength to strength and I can't wait for you to hear exactly what she has to say about her own process her own journey and her thoughts about things going forward until then thanks for listening see you next week bye